Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray you enjoy the teaching of God's Word. May the Holy Spirit encourage, exhort, and comfort you. We invite you to come and see what the Lord is doing at Northgate. Come and grow with us. May you be blessed by the God of hope. Proverbs. Wisdom literature. Um, Doug talked about the heart, guarding the heart. Um, I've been trying to do really practical things. So the last time I talked about looking for direction in life, which I found a big thing. But, you know, when you talk practical, I, I always tell people when people come to church and, oh, it's great to know theology um, and I love teaching it. And I think the Psalms are very great theology, by the way. But sometimes we just need to deal with practical things that we deal with every day. And we're going to have tried and are trying to hit things that are maybe top 10 in our life, practical things. And guess what? I didn't necessarily choose these topics. The leadership went through them. Um, and I don't really like talking about this, but we got to talk about money. We got to talk about money, money, um, because uh, we all deal with that every day, resources and money, and we want God's wisdom on that. Amen. You want to know what God says in the Proverbs about money? Because I want to tell you, there is a lot in the book of Proverbs about resources and money, and we just want to, whatever we have to do well. Remember, wisdom is attributes of God. I kind of think like the Proverbs are God's attributes in working clothes, right? Like how we should act, how we should take who God is in wisdom and put it into practical life. And uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. So I realize for a lot of you, maybe this is reminders. Um, probably for most of you, this is reminders. But if Peter could say, I fail not to remind you of things in God's word, I think I'm okay to say that too, right? And maybe for some of you, it's stuff you know, and you're like, oh, I heard that on a financial podcast. Yeah, well, they heard that first in the Bible, okay? Some of the, you know, and and we do have here, praise God, financial advisors, but some of the greatest principles, guess what? They're not unique. There's nothing new under the sun. They come from God's word. And uh, we'll just go through a bit of those today. So, Holy Spirit, would you just help us to grow in our knowledge of what is right and wise with the resources that you give us? I pray, Holy Spirit, even if we maybe have heard some of this, that you will convict us or guide us, or lead us, remind us in specific ways in our heart of things maybe we can grow in. We don't take your word lightly, Lord. We believe it's true. And Holy Spirit, we give you freedom to work through your word this morning. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Proverbs 30, verse 8, we'll start there because, yeah, just carrying on from Doug a little bit, everything's a matter of the heart. Do you know that? 
In the end, money is simply a matter of the heart. But Proverbs 30, verse 8 says this, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. One thing maybe I've learned is there's great danger with finances, but the danger comes in many ways. It's not just having it and wanting to be wealthy. There can be the confidence in ourselves because we think we have something. Proverbs 18.11 says, The rich think of their wealth wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. So if you have it, the challenge is thinking that's your comfort. That's your defense. Well, we know a New Testament parallel to that in 1 Timothy chapter 6 is, Teach those who are rich in the world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who gives richly us all that we need for our enjoyment. Whether you have it and you think you're okay because you do and the future is all right, or you don't have it, you don't think you have enough, and you become anxious, and you desire, and you covet, there's many problems. It's either one of two, right? You trust your money or you want money. By the way, in First Timothy 6, it also says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Interesting, Solomon, who wrote most of the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, another book of wisdom literature, he actually had everything under the sun in Ecclesiastes, but at the end said the conclusion of everything is simply fearing God and obeying his commands. Our contentment and joy, our peace only can come in Jesus, in believing and trusting in God. Period. It's a heart issue. Amen? So whether you have it or you don't have it, where is your heart? Do you truly trust in God? And I know in my life and others' lives where they declare they trust in God, but when it comes to their bank book, don't go there. Hmm. But God would have so much more for us. So knowing that it's a heart matter and Proverbs making that clear, and it's not about being poor or rich, it's about our dependence and who we're trusting, There are definitely some practical principles and general truths about resources and money that will help us. So if your heart's right, good. Amen?
But if your heart's right, then we can move on just to some practical things. And if you get upset at me this morning, too bad. I kind of phrase these a little different way. My first one is simple as this. Um, hustle is a good thing. You might say, what are you talking about? Um, working hard is a good thing. Working hard. And in the Proverbs, there's a connection between hard work, I'm not saying being rich, but hard work and having enough. We live in a society, as the old saying goes, which thinks money grows on trees. I have never seen a money tree. (laughs) But I will tell you, the Proverbs make it clear that lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Those, in Proverbs 12, verse 11, who work their land will have food, even says abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Hard work, Proverbs 14, 23, brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Now, I'm not saying, you know, the Proverbs are interesting because, oh, if I, if it always shakes down like this. Remember, these are general principles of God's word, right? But if you are willing to hustle, I say that to my kids, Dad, are we going to make it? You willing to work? You'll be okay. God will take care of you, right? You willing just to do something? Hustle a bit? God will help you. I'm not saying, we're not, remember, we're not out to be rich, we're not out to be poor, but hard work is important. And in Colossians chapter 3 verse 23, we work hard for the Lord. Whatever we do, we do for Him. There are some in our society, I'm not saying this in a bad way, who are waiting to win the lottery, or strike it rich, or get a big inheritance, or looking for some big idea. How about just getting to work? Amen? Now, that's pretty practical advice, right? But I think that's great, and I think that's what we should teach our children, that trusting in God doesn't mean he's going to drop dollar bills in your mailbox. It means he's given you the opportunity and probably the ability to do something. Get up and get going. Now, sometimes God does bless us in radical ways. I know in my life, a lot of my work was volunteer work. I wasn't paid, but I still hustled. And God provided in other ways when I need it. I'm not trying to deny a supernatural God who gives But I'm saying the Proverbs say, let's do our part. Amen? Number one, let's hustle. You know, if you want to take that a little deeper. Okay, let's take a little deeper to the heart. You're saved by grace, it says in Ephesians. Is that correct? God's work, he saved you. And some of you know, after that in Ephesians 2, it says that he has good works prepared for you. And I love that midweek encouragement a couple weeks ago. 
That good work doesn't mean we're all supposed to be up here preaching. That good work could be a paramedic. That good work could be a vet. That good work could be a construction worker. That good work could be an office attendant. We have this idea that God's prepared works are always this super spiritual thing. Sometimes it's just doing what he's gifted you to do with the character of Christ. Being a mom. Right? Amen? The heart issue is, do we trust? Do we want to walk? And do we want to be faithful to what he's called us to do? Okay. Practical thing number two. I don't even have that many today. I'm working on being a little shorter. And whenever I say that, I go long. But anyways, I'll try and keep it short. Stay out of debt as much as possible. Amen? If we're going to work hard, we have to live simply. Proverbs 22.7 The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. How many had their parents blast that in their ear? Right? Well, I did and I'm very thankful for that. That my dad modeled that. This is not just in the Proverbs, by the way. You love an Old Testament principle repeated in the New Testament. Romans 13 makes it clear as, you know, as much as possible. You know, don't be in debt to anyone. Debt is a very difficult thing and there's so many easy ways in our society to get in debt. Whether it's credit cards or qualifying for car loans that we don't deserve, lines of credit. People willing to borrow at outrageous interest rates. And all this does is create bigger and bigger problems in our life. The Proverbs would say, and I think God's word is work hard, try to release your set from debt that you can be free to bless others. Now, obviously, there's times where we do go in debt and God allows us to pay that off for needs and things we need for work or homes to live in or in education. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about buying things we don't need. I'm talking about, oh, instant cash I have access to. Let me run it up. That is not the way God has called us to live. Just because you have access to money doesn't mean you should spend it. Shoppers. <laughs> Hello? Um, this is a great principle. And one, I think, especially in Canada, where it is widely known, or let's say North America, that the debt load of people is incredibly high. <clears throat> and even compared to the rest of the world, yes, Canadians... I love how Canadians say, America's in so much debt. Yeah, they are. But you know how many people live in America? Per person, we're not too far off to debt. If you break it down, because there's only, I heard now, 40 million people. We don't have a lot of people, but we got a whole lot of debt. You know that? And don't even count as a country. Personal debt is incredibly high. Now, maybe you haven't been taught that, and that's, hey, that's a lot of our society. But we can start fresh today. So what do you do? You just work at it, little by little, right? You work to get rid of it. It's not magically going to disappear, but I'm not going to do this. I'm going to work to pay this off, right? I'm going to forego this. I'm going to live simply because I don't want to be in bondage, right? God, help me 
because I want to do those good works. And if I'm always in debt, I'm in bondage, and I can't be free, maybe to serve the Lord the way he wants me to. Amen? Come on, right? Good reminders. I need to hear these things. But I'm trying to say one principle, go deeper. So what's the deeper problem? Well, it's greed. (laughs) It's covetousness. It's having esteem in what we have or what we look like. And Proverbs 15.27 says, clearly, the greedy bring ruin to their households. Is that clear enough? Just a little bit more? What's it said about the rich? It's always just a little bit more. I've heard missionaries say, it's it's really neat to, to have David and Megan here, but a missionary from Asia came once, uh, and I was listening to a sermon, and he said, as he exited the plane in North America, he sensed immediately almost a deep sense of materialism. Not that that can't happen anywhere, because the heart's the same, but when we have the ability to do things that we maybe shouldn't, there is a deep sense of materialism, and our media and our culture are constantly oppressing us that you deserve it. And by the way, the devil works in all countries, and I think it would be the same nasty heart issue everywhere. But sometimes in other countries, they don't have the ability to get into the problems that we do. No, that's not the way we should think. And First Timothy again says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's release ourselves from the heart issue of greed, materialism, and finding our identity in things or the way we look, and let's put it on Jesus who has blessed us. Let us be a thankful people. Let us understand dependence on him and change our habits. Amen? Come on. Gives me a little more. Yeah, I know it's like kind of a topic. Like, why don't you get deep? This is deep, okay? Um, so number one, hustle's good. Let's work hard. Stay out of debt. Proverbs very clear. Greed. Our contentment can only come in Christ. So steady as we go. Number three, and sometimes maybe you don't hear this in church, but I think this is good. Saving and investments are tools to build the kingdom of God. As a young, zealous Christian in my 20s, I thought the moment I got money, I should give it away. Not necessarily a bad thing. Actually, I think it's sometimes a good thing. But God would tell us through the Proverbs, it's not a bad thing to invest little by little, put away in savings, so we can be more generous as our money works to create more money. Somebody getting a little itchy here, slippery, like, oh, Pastor Dan. I'm not a prosperity guy, by the way, at all. But I am so thankful for those people who are wise with their money, who have invested it little by little, and they have built God's kingdom with the return. Aren't you happy? Well, I'm a pastor. I'm really happy. Because they've helped me, because they have been wise, and they have been faithful. And they have invested properly. And God has used that ability to bless the kingdom of God. 
We know that Proverbs 13.11, dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes... i got to find my last page here. Let's try and finish it in ourselves. Makes it grow. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Makes it grow. Little by little. How about that? Little by little. Again, not the greed of one big lottery ticket. We know of the New Testament, God doesn't want us to bury our talents, and I don't think he wants to bear us to bury our money or spend it in ways that isn't right. But we're to be wise, to use his resources for his kingdom. I remember a long time ago that there was an older brother in church when I was in New Jersey who said, are you saving for your grandchildren? I was like, what are you talking about? I'm having trouble surviving on my own. Are you are you saving for your kid's education? Well, no, I'm supposed to give it away. And then he pointed a verse in Proverbs, in Proverbs 13.22, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. How about that? It's okay. I am to be faithful to give, and I'm going to get to that in the last point and hammer it down. But it is okay to save, to invest wisely, little by little, to bless your family, and to bless the kingdom of God. Come on, financial analysts, right? Come on. Say, Lauren, Joe's not here, but yeah. The accountants are like, yeah. It is good. It is good. And you might say, well, I don't have enough to do that. You know what? It's funny. It's a secular resource, the wealthy barber. My dad gave it to it a long time ago. But if you put a little away, little away, you can start with the little, five bucks, it's okay. Well, that's nothing. I can't even get like McDonald's for five bucks. You keep doing five bucks every week, and you're going to be surprised after a year or two or three or four or five, we throw a little compounding interest on that. Am I doing something unbiblical? I'm here to tell you no, because as you're a generous person working hard, not greedy, it is okay to invest, to give to your family, and to the kingdom of God. But it takes some discipline. And I think in this one, I really think this is looking beyond our present circumstances, looking to the length of life and the length of eternity. So often financially we get in trouble when we live for the moment. And we have to have our glasses on to see longer, to see our kids and our grandkids. Now, again, these are general principles. I know for me it's a little more difficult in ministry. There weren't necessarily those resources. But I want to tell you some crazy things that people saw that in my life and started saving for me and for my retirement and for my kids because they knew I couldn't do it. They took it upon themselves to do that. Isn't God crazy? And isn't he wonderful? Just a little bit. What a discipline anyways. People, again, the get out of debt and, and the work hard and saving and call me crazy, but one of my prayers every day, and I don't mind telling you, is, Lord, I want my mortgage to be gone so I can bless the kingdom of God. That's what I pray. And 
well, Dan, why don't you do your part? Are you just sitting on your couch saying, oh, come cash to pay it off? Well, no, I sacrificed to make weekly double payments to pay my mortgage off. I want to do my part. So maybe I don't do this, but I'm paying it down, right? But I'm asking God, take it away. I don't want that debt. And I want to use the resources of wise investing to get rid of that so I can do more for your kingdom and for my family. Right? That's good. Many of you, and I will say many of you have done so well. And that's not a bad thing. Because it's given you opportunity in your wisdom, little by little, to bless the kingdom of God. I had a very good friend say to me, I'm not called to ministry. I'm called to work hard and save to bless those who are in ministry. And he owned a construction company. And he did amazing things for the Lord. He's like, I'm not called up here. But I'm going to work hard, do my part, little by little, for God's kingdom. Now, if you're saving only for yourself and security, that's the heart issue of number one. That's not good, right? If you're living because you're around people and it's all covetousness and materialism and you're all worried and I want more, that's not good. Okay, we're going from one down the scale. Do you see it? So finally, I just want to say this, and yeah, most importantly, and Proverbs is so clear on this, generosity, right? Now, I've done whole sermons on this, and I just, I'm a little passionate about this, only reason, when you're teaching something and you've experienced something, you're passionate about something. I have great power to teach something I've experienced in the week, the month, or the life. And I will tell you in my short 50 years on this earth that I believe scripture is completely 100% accurate. That if you are a generous person, you will be blessed. Period. I have never seen the Lord go wrong. But anyways, let's get some scriptural scriptures from the Proverbs. Proverbs 11.25. I love Proverbs 11. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Come on. You know that one, right? Like, that's my go-to. Like, if you're going to put a little water on the garden, you better bust, like, whew, it's going to come back. Because we know the New Testament says very clearly what you put in the ground that's what you're going to reap. And if you're a generous person, it's going to come back. The generous, Proverbs 22, 9, will themselves be blessed. Proverbs 28, 27, those who give to the poor will lack nothing. By the way, this is not, again, a prosperity thing. Well, if I give, I'll get. You've got the wrong motivation. I am thankful, so I give. That's the heart issue. I'm not looking for more. Oh, if I put a little more in the offering box, it means God will specially bless me this week. No, I'm so thankful that God has blessed me. That's why I give. But then the equation is you can't outgive him. Scripture's clear. And he takes care of you in amazing ways. And it doesn't matter where you live, if it's one buck, a hundred, or a thousand, because Jesus pointed to the widow with the woman. 
might. It wasn't how much. It wasn't like the person putting in 10,000 in the offering plate when they have one billion who gives a rip. The person who gets 100 a week and puts 50 in, oh yeah. That's the heart God is looking for. And we know in the New Testament that this is pushed and pushed and no one says it better than Paul when he quotes Jesus in the book of Acts when he says, it is better to give than receive. Now with our children, I remember saying this to my son Caleb a long time ago. He must have been five. I'll never forget. He's like, that's so dumb. That's not true. He said, I'd rather receive. You think about it, yeah, at that age, he's right. Like, yeah, give me the toy. I don't want to give my toy away. Like, that's dumb. I want my toy. Did anyone ever think that? Like, but here's your maturity in life helps you to see things different. When I was a kid, I wanted the gift. But now that I'm older, I don't care about getting anything. My joy is in giving. Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Come on, Dad. You're like, I don't want anything. But what's your joy when your kids open up that gift they're not expecting? Oh, I love the story. When Carter, who had nothing, and I got him uh, a soccer jersey from his favorite player, Mpape, in France, and to see his eyes, because he had never received something like that, being from Sudan and Jordan. You could have given me 50 jerseys. I could have cared less. But to see his face, and he jumped up and down, and oh, when I was a kid, I would have wanted the jersey. But as you mature in the Lord, something changes. If it happens in life, just imagine spiritually how true it is. But I just want to say one other thing. There's normal generosity. There's our ties. There's our gifts. And I heard this last week. There's something really special, and it comes down to, if you have struggle giving, that's okay, because there's the gift of giving, and then there's the work of giving in Scripture. Do you know that some people have the gift to give? You ever met them? They're like, oh, you can have, have my shirt. I don't care. I don't want it. They like to have a gift. Like, they got 10 bucks in their pocket. They ain't coming home with it. You know what I mean? But there's others of us. It's a little harder. It's a discipline. We got to work at it, and that's okay. There's gifting and there's working. There's, I talked about evangelism. There's a gift. There's a work of it, right? There's many things like that. And here giving is one of them. But there's something even beyond, yeah, I give just because what I'm supposed to do. It comes down to your identity and realizing who you are. You are a royal priesthood and you are kings and queens according to God's scripture. There's something I heard the phrase of royal generosity, and it's the idea that my identity as a child of God releases me to understand I have what I need and I can give. Does that make sense? You see yourself as a pauper, you give like a pauper. Well, I think this is a pretty good point. You should be like, yeah. And the reality is, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a child of God? Or do you see yourself working for all the blessings that God has given you? And unfortunately in the church, we almost have this idea we work even spiritually 
for all that we get. No. God has been so gracious. He died on the cross. He set you free. He's blessed you. He's made us his children through his incredible work. Now you take that to your resources. It's all his. And when I give, I understand my resources are the resources of the king of kings. And I have all that I need. And I can just be faithful to give. And I think that's incredible. And we get this picture of Solomon who wrote this when the queen of Sheba came and she had what he wanted. But he said, he gave to her out of the royal treasure. Yeah, he gave her anything she wanted. Now, I'm not saying go give people everything they want. But if I know I'm a king, a priest, a child of God, it's amazing. I remember someone took me out for dinner once and they paid for me. And I said, wow. And they're like, yeah, I have a rich father. I'm like, oh, yeah, what does your dad do? He's like, I'm not talking about a human father. And it's a flow of our identity. And if you think you're working and you're a pauper and you don't understand who you are in Christ, giving five bucks is going to be a challenge. Giving a hundred bucks, I don't know how much you make. But if God asks you to do a little more, you struggle because you're clawing. You're tight to get where you need to get. And God wants to set us free, knowing who we are, giving thanks to him that our lives are a channel of royal generosity, not only in our money, but our time and our things. Some people, you know, I'm not saying this in a bad way. Praise God for this. But I used to count the money in New Jersey. And I'd get some tithe checks. It was like $213.16. I'm like, what? I'm not saying it's wrong to be detailed. But to them, it had to be right on the button. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, praise God they're giving. But would you release their heart from that? almost works-related, fearful identity in God, if I do it right on the button, I'm okay. I don't care if it was $100. <laughs> I don't care if it was 500 It's the freedom to do as God asks me. Not that I'm accomplishing a task. And this is what Paul says. But I see God and it flows through me no matter the amount. Amen? Amen. Because we have been given so much and we can be generous because our God is generous in His character and He gave His Son for you and for I. He held nothing back. I love Romans 8. After he gave his son, how much more would he not give you so much more after he's given you his son? And I see my life sometimes so tight. God wants to release us to be like him. Amen? Isn't that the, the Christian journey? Is us knowing him to become like him? To be used for him. 
but our character changes and there's fruit. And all this money business, by the way, really is just the test of where your heart is. That's all it is. Where's your checkbook? But there are some awesome principles which we spent a lot of time on. Work hard. <laughs> be careful not to covet to go in debt. Little by little, be faithful. And above all, knowing your dependence on God, may your heart be generous to those around you. Amen? Okay. And if you're asking, you want more, go study it yourself. <laughs> so. And if you think you have better ideas, great. Go tell, take someone out to lunch and pay for them and tell them about it. Thank you, Jesus. Man, it's just amazing to look at the character of Christ, who is the physical on earth picture of God. Just so generous. So disciplined, so hardworking. Such a picture of eternity. And Lord, may we learn from you today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that this teaching would even go beyond money and resources. That your Holy Spirit would change our character to be like you. This morning... Yeah, we have times of failure, times your times of worry, times of fear. But we're celebrating communion and we see forgiveness. Yeah, maybe we've made mistakes. That's okay. Because you died for us. You set us free. And that's what we're going to celebrate now as we take communion is the forgiveness of God through the work of Christ on the cross. Just thinking about being refreshed and revived. There is no better way to be refreshed and revived. There's no better way than looking at Jesus. This week when I was at the beach, one morning quite early, went to the water I just heard the Holy Spirit's voice just to listen and just hearing the waves coming continually, faithfully. I just thought, that's your love. That's your forgiveness, God. No matter if I'm up on the beach getting dirty or in life getting dirty, that your work on the cross is continual and it's constant. And you're continually through your blood washing us clean day after day, moment after moment. And we give you praise this morning. I don't know what kind of week you had, I don't know what kind of morning you had. Maybe you're struggling, but would you see the, the work of Christ on the cross as you believe in Him? 
would you see that steady work of forgiveness? There's nothing that you've done that the cross cannot take care of. He's refreshing and renewing us continually. And that's why we take communion each week to remember the consistency, the completeness of the work of God, the love of God, so faithfully coming, coming, coming. Would you let those waves, the work of Christ, just wash over you now? The truth of his word, that it is finished, past, present, and future. As you believe and trust and confess the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again. That he continually, through the work on the cross, is making you clean, holy, and righteous. Let us remember and be thankful this morning. Martine and Tabitha are going to sing. The elements are in the back. Quietly and respectfully, you may get them. Come back to your seat. I want to remind you, if you need prayer for anything, that they, Kevin, myself, will be there. Bob, we'd love to, to pray for you in any way. If you're sick, if you want to confess, if you need to be reminded of the truth of Jesus Christ, This is good. Let us focus on Jesus this morning. Thanks for listening. If you want any information about our church, check us out at northgateministry.com. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, you can listen at YouTube at Northgate Ministry.